Hello and welcome to the Dairy Dialogue podcast, number 118. And amazingly, it's the last one in January. Time flies when you're waiting for lockdown to end. I'm Jim Cornall, editor of Dairy Reporter, and it's been a pretty quiet news week, at least in the dairy industry. Not quiet in the house with online learning, but that's fine. Because of Burns Night, which was this week, some Scottish dialect words were part of the schoolwork, which was interesting. Of course, the local dialect is totally different from the Scottish Gaelic language. There is a TV channel in the native tongue, and occasionally they do show some football or soccer games, all in Gaelic, and none of which I understand, except for the names of the players. But I do love languages. Maybe I should have tried to learn another one over the winter in lockdown, like maybe English. I did manage a very long hike on Saturday without seeing anyone, although it's the longest walk I've taken in about six months, so my knees were not too impressed with me. I also got a few notifications about concerts coming up in Glasgow in the summer. Not sure I'm really ready for concerts yet, or even if they will be happening. I do have my doubt. And the prices of the concert tickets these days is just amazing. Which I guess makes me sound a little bit like an old and grumpy man again. I must stop before I start to say when I was young. Before we get to this week's news that you may have missed, I'll tell you what we have in store on today's podcast. We have four guests this time in three interviews. We have conversations with Baby Bell's senior brand manager, Riddy Barber, sales and marketing manager at Gadot Biochemical, Yuval Sali, and from CP Kelco, Sandra Caterino, marketing director, strategic segments, and Soren Jensen, application scientist, R&D. And we also have our weekly update on the global dairy markets with Liam Fenton at StoneX. Let's take a quick look at this week's news. Irish dairy exports to the UK declined in 2020, according to a Board Beer report, although not really much of a surprise given Brexit and the pandemic. Tate & Lyle has expanded its allulose sweetener portfolio, and the company is also growing its tapioca-based starch solutions. The Canadian government is compensating Canada's dairy farmers, a new project is tackling bovine mastitis, and Tetra Pak is calling for collaboration on sustainability challenges in food packaging. Startup company Sproud has raised £4.8 million to match the taste and nutritional profile of dairy milk. The Groceries Code Adjudicator in the UK is hoping to hear from dairies in its annual survey, and Roquette and Brain Group are scaling up protein sweetener production. You can read all of these and more at DairyReporter.com. Okay, well, we should get things moving with our first guest, and we are talking cheese with Baby Bell, which is a part of France's Group Bell. The company recently launched a couple of new and very interesting products, a new range of functional dairy snacks in the US in two varieties, Baby Bell Plus Probiotic and Baby Bell Plus Vitamins. To tell us more is Baby Bell's senior brand manager, Rudy Barber. I wonder if we could start by telling me about Bell Brands USA and how it all fits in with Group Bell. Yep. So Bell Brands USA, basically we're a subsidiary of Group Bell, which is an organization based in France. And how do the product lines vary by country and what are the strengths of the US brands? So in the US, 
Of the Group Bell's core brands, we offer Baby Bell, The Laughing Cow, and Borsan. We also have some local brands that are sold only in the U.S. in the cheese bread format, which include Kakana, Merck's, and Prices. And then globally, we do have a couple brands that are not sold specifically in the U.S., which are Lear, Dahmer, and Kiri. So quite a large portfolio of brands, and really the offerings are based on what works for consumers in each market. And how do you determine what does and doesn't work in specific markets? So we do have a pretty large marketing team and then a consumer insights team as well. And we're always exploring consumer trends, making sure that our portfolios really deliver on you know, the consumer trends in each market. And in the case of the U.S., that we're always evolving and we have what our consumers want. The important thing, I guess, is the new products. Could you give me a little rundown as to what they are and why they were developed? Sure. So we've been so excited this year to launch a new range of functional products called Babybel Plus. This range is made to deliver on consumers that are looking for more functional products so that families can really enjoy you know, additional benefits from the foods that they already eat. This range includes two different varieties. We're launching with a probiotics offering. And this is made up of billions of live and active cultures of the LGG probiotic, which, you know, evidence really suggests that immune health benefit for consumers when they're eating this as a part of uh, a healthy lifestyle. And then the second is a vitamins offering, which has a good source of vitamins A and B12. And these contribute to positive eye health and metabolism. And, you know, as we think about why we developed this, it's really around delivering on consumer expectations. We've been monitoring consumer trends and, you know, there's been a huge demand for these types of products. In the case of probiotics, 70% of consumers have already tried or are interested in, you know, this type of offering. And that's true in the case of products with vitamins as well. And this trend has really exploded in our post-pandemic era that we live in, and it's projected to continue to increase. So both of these products were really geared towards providing more functionality and, and delivering on this trend that we're seeing in market, while still giving that great taste and experience that consumers love about our brand, Baybell. In terms of the development, was this something that was already in the works pre-pandemic, or is it, how long has it been in the works? Yep. So our R&D team is always exploring different ways in which we can bring new ideas to life to deliver on consumer expectations. And this was something that had been in the works, you know, as we've seen this trend really explode over the last couple of years. And, you know, we've been looking at this, I would say, probably for approximately 18 months from the time that we originally tested this concept you know, with it being truly innovative and, and new to the category, we are the first in, in the category to offer a functional dairy snack, which was really exciting for us. And this year really felt like the right time as we've continued to see those trends accelerate in the last year. And it's something that we believe is only going to continue to be relevant. Is it something where this is all extremely well hidden? I mean, will consumers notice any difference in taste? So it was really important to us as we were developing this to make sure that it is delivering, you know, what our consumers already love about Baby Bell, but with those added benefits. So at this time, we're not 
you know, launching this with any additional flavor varieties. It's truly the same taste that our uh, consumers already love. And, you know, I can say this is something that has become a, a frequent addition in, in my fridge. And from trying and enjoying it myself, I've found that it tastes pretty similar to the taste and texture of Baby Bell Light. If you're allowed to tell me this, is adding vitamins and probiotics and other ingredients going to rise, do you think, because of the pandemic? And do you have plans to introduce anything else? Sure. I think, you know, as interest in benefits like immunity have really risen, I think there's going to continue to be just more offerings across categories, our category as well, that really deliver on functional benefits. For us, we're always evaluating new products to deliver on consumer needs. And, you know, at at this time, we don't have more information to share about additional functional products, but really something we're always monitoring. Now, in some countries, the group is planning on creating plant-based variants of its products. Is that happening in the U.S.? And do you think that may extend to these new products or is it too early to say? Yeah, at this time, we don't have more information to share on a dairy-free or or vegan offering for the U.S., but, you know, we are always monitoring and making sure that we have innovation that delivers on rising consumer needs, similar to the way that we did with Baybell. So it's something that we're going to continue to look at and, and make sure that we're staying relevant as consumer trends do evolve. And I mean, globally, you know, we are guided by our our mission. We want to continue to champion healthy and responsible food. And, you know, that does include diversifying new product offerings. We did recently launch a dairy-free offering from Borsan in the U.S. And, you know, that's really our our newest innovation in in that space. I know last year the company made transformation not only of its products important, but also for the packaging in terms of sustainability, what is the company in the U.S. doing in that regard? From a packaging standpoint, we have a global goal of being 100% recyclable or biodegradable from a packaging standpoint by 2025, which is what we are working towards. In the U.S., you know, we are committed to identifying innovative practices with our farms that we can deploy elsewhere and really, you know, contribute to being more sustainable as a dairy sector. This includes practices to preserve biodiversity, reduce GHG emissions at the farm. Um, So there is quite a bit happening in this space. And that would also apply to the new products that have just launched? Yep. So the goal is to be 100% recyclable or biodegradable by 2025. In the case of this innovation, we have prioritized sustainably sourced paper-based material. And the pouch that we are launching with, for example, is made with 63% paper, really kind of helping push towards being more sustainable in what we do. And another one of those, if you're allowed to tell me, uh, what else can we expect to see in 2021 and not necessarily in just products, but uh, anything from the company? Yeah, I will say, you know, we're we're excited and proud to have a, a really strong pipeline across all of our brands, really with a goal of meeting consumer demands and, you know, the evolving taste profiles that we do see. So there's, uh, you know, a lot to come with new and exciting innovation, you know, hitting shelves in, in the near term and to come. And also, you know, making sure that we're really being intentional and purposeful, seeking out those opportunities to make a positive impact on our community and and our environment. And, you know, as some of these things come to life, we'll be happy to share more in detail about them.
Okay, well, thanks a lot for all of the information on the new products. Is there anything else that you wanted to add? Yeah, I think if there's one thing, you know, I want to make sure I leave you with uh, and really reiterate is just how excited we are um, with the launch of Bayval Plus being the first in the category to offer this type of functional benefits. And with our two offerings, we're really delivering on the trends that consumers are looking for while staying true to the great taste and convenient snack that our consumers love Bayball for and, you know, excited to see it hit shelves. Next, it's to Godot Biochemical, which has announced the repositioning of several minerals expressly for the plant-based market. To tell us more about their dairy and plant-based solutions is the company's sales and marketing manager, Yuval Sali. So I wonder if you could first give me some background on the company. Yes, Godot Biochemical was established like 60 years ago is one of the most uh, innovative sites that knew how to take uh, sugars or carbohydrate and to divert it into citric acid. That In that days, it was really high science to know how to bioferment those things. And from there on, we went downstream to be expert in minerals. So uh, we were producing citric acid. From there, we did the citrates which is the sodium, potassium, magnesium, calcium, and zinc citrates. That's the starting point. And then we found ourselves as experts of minerals, and we see ourselves as solution providers of minerals worldwide. We supply mainly in the States, in Europe, and worldwide. Uh, We have a good system and good tailor-made solution for customers, for fortification, as well as for dietary supplements. And what products do you have that would be suitable for the dairy industry? And how do those differ in the way that they're used? So uh, when you speak on dairy industry, so I will uh, say that in the dairy industry, some of them are doing the correct thing, meaning they are fortifying the dairy with calcium, potassium, and magnesium. Some will fortify only with calcium and some with only with magnesium. However, that's a a very well-known thing that the public knows that dairy is enhancing our diet with uh, minerals. And therefore, we have solutions for each field of use. There is another solution of those category of the minerals that I just mentioned. And are these the same ingredients or the same products that would be used in dairy alternatives? Yes, it is. However, in the dairy alternative, there is more challenge because actually what you are is establishing a product that mimic the dairy as an alternative, meaning the protein is coming not from the dairy and the fat is non-fat with low cholesterol and a better fats that you can give. And there comes the structuring of the product itself. So actually, we are giving the customer two things. One hand, we're giving him a a tailor-made solution for his mineral needs. From the other hand, we are supplying some ability to be able to structure the proper cheese or milk alternative that will be the correct palatability, meaning 
color, taste, mouthfeel of the cheese alternative or the milk alternative product. And some of them are going more than only calcium. They are doing the calcium, potassium, and magnesium characteristic of the product as it has to be in milk or even above milk. Because today we know that when you fortify with calcium, without magnesium and without potassium, you not build bones or you not give the correct structure of the product. And therefore, it is properly and correct to fortify with all the three of them. And to fortify them, when you speak on cheese or yogurt or milk drink, meaning substitute of milk, you need to fortify in the proper mineral. However, we have a variety of minerals there that we can supply. Those who want a low version cost-wise to formulate, they will go with inorganic salts, which is the phosphates. Therefore, we have a line of calcium, magnesium, potassium as phosphate. Those who want the correct bioavailability and the high profile of product will go with citrate or gluconate product as it is organic salts and the bioavailability is higher. And then comes, when you go drill down, you want to have the correct mouthfeel, the correct color, the correct taste, and the correct structure. All of those minerals and the tailor-made solutions that we provide can give them the, the ability to formulate the proper products. I guess it must be quite challenging to produce dairy alternatives. Yes, it is a challenge that we have overcome those challenges with several customers already. And we are working hand-in-hand with the formulator to do the proper thing in order that they will give the correct palatability, let's say. Because when you want to do a cheese and it has to be a hard cheese, you'll not use the same ingredients if it has to be a soft cheese. And when you want to do a yogurt, which is fortified with magnesium, calcium, or potassium, you have to have the correct form of the mineral that will be combined there with the correct protein and fats that you are adding into the formula. So it's a challenge, but it's a challenge that we know how to support the customer in it. Do the companies that you work with have different degrees of understanding as to what they need, or do you have to pretty much help them right from the beginning to the end? It depends. Some of them are already well enough uh, into the arena, and they need our uh, fine-tuning, and some of them are starting from base, and we are helping them from base formulation. But we have the knowledge to do it due to the fact that we are quite an experts in minerals and we give us the service in the States as well as in Europe and as well as in the Far East. I guess one of the other challenges with dairy alternatives is the fact that there are so many different bases. You have coconut, soya, almond, oat. There are just so many different ones. How do you approach that? So there is several alternatives, and it depends very much on the structure of the product that you want. By the way, when you speak on cheese protein or uh, cheese uh, alternatives, the the protein that is most common used today is pea protein. And when you speak on milk, 
derivates, meaning alternative of milk, you'll find some of them that will go with oak, some of them will go with soy, and each of them, there is another solution. We went so downstream that we have a propriety product of calcium called Gadocal and Gadomag, which are very well known in the ability to stain the suspension as needed. So to conclude, it's very hard to make it in a few minutes, but we are here to supply each formula that is needed to be done. As far as what the end consumer is looking for, are they, they're looking for their products and their dairy alternative products to be fortified with additional things? And, and how do you help your customers provide what the customer is looking for? Yeah, most of the uh, cheese alternative understand that they want at least to achieve the mineral value of values of dairy, meaning they want to achieve the calcium level as it is in cheese and the uh, potassium as well as the magnesium. Some of them understand that they need the potassium and magnesium in order to create the ability to be milk alternative. Most of the people understand that the milk in the diet creates the ability to have enough minerals. So when you come with a cheese alternative, you would like to be in the level of the minerals that are in the cheese. And I guess you also have to make sure that you're not altering the taste or the texture or the mouthfeel every time that you do this? Exactly. So if you put a, a mineral and you do not know how to do it, sometimes it will give you a grindy taste. We have to avoid the grindy taste. In another hand, if you not have enough minerals inside, the structure will not be built correctly. And if you choose not the correct mineral, you can have a gray color. So minerals has to be there. And the effect of the mineral can be very important for the formulator in order to achieve the proper structure, taste, color, and smell of the product. And I guess that's where you come in in order to be able to help them achieve all of those without those problems. Exactly what you say. Meaning we know if you want to do a yogurt from oak or, or from soy, we know exactly what is needed there and how it will influence. However, if you want to do a hard cheese, that's another solution. Or a soft cheese, it's a third solution. So we are there. We are in this arena and we know how to do it. I think that uh, to use the milk alternative or the cheese alternative is a very nice way to get a more healthy diet. And once who is doing the cheese alternative knows that he needs to do the correct mineral. Just for an example, today it's well known that we do not consume enough magnesium and we cannot actually detect that we are we have lack of magnesium but it is known that today the water that we irrigate or the water that we have in the plantation do not have enough magnesium therefore we have lack of magnesium by definition in our diet so you can use the cheese alternative to enhance more magnesium into the product which is a high value for the customer And now it's over to CP Kelco to talk pectin. 
The company has launched a new clean label friendly ingredient for fruited drinking yogurt. A stabilizer is usually added to the yogurt and another added to the fruit prep. However, not anymore, as the new pectin does the work for both. To tell us more are Sandra Caterino, Marketing Director, Strategic Segments, who we will hear from first, and Soren Jensen, Application Scientist, R&D. It's quite a process for drinking yogurt producers in terms of the what they need to do in order to add fruit. So before you talk about the new products, I wonder if you could go through what the issues are when it comes to drinking yogurt and adding fruit to them. Sure. The two things that we see that are key challenges for uh, fruited yogurt drinks producers is, uh, well, one, the stability of those fruited drinking yogurts. That is key. Uh, and the reason is uh, unstable yogurts are not really appealing to consumers. And sometimes these yogurts are even taken out of retailers' shelves because they can't be sold. So that's leading to destruction costs and, uh, and more food waste. So this is the first reason why our customers came to us in the first place. And then the second trend or need or challenge is um, that when these producers are choosing a stabilizer for their yogurt drinks, they are usually uh, looking for uh, additives that are compatible with the trending clean label or natural products. Uh, they want to be able to claim organic and also to formulate um, products that have extended stability over shelf life. And sometimes those additives don't combine both the natural aspect uh, or clean label and the functionality, like offering stability throughout the yogurt shelf life. So that's the second challenge uh, that they're facing. And so how do you overcome, or how did you overcome that? And I guess that brings in the new product. How does that address these issues? So first of all, pectin is, uh, is well known in the market. Most people have pectin in their kitchen when they're uh, making jams at home to have them gel. It's a nature-based ingredient. It's made from citrus peel, uh, which is a byproduct of the juice industry. So it's an additive that's easily recognizable by consumers. And the other thing is we wanted also to help manufacturers use fewer ingredients to comply with the cleaner label trend. So pectin can enter that category and be of use in that sense. And specifically, Genu Pectin YMFP2100 provides both the required functionality in terms of viscosity and stability, and also provides a rich mouthfeel. And in addition, it allows manufacturers to claim clean label friendly and organic labeling. So that's why we believe this new product is helping fruited yogurt drinks manufacturers. And how was it developed? For this kind of project, market insight was really key. We started out going out into the market and looked at all these short shelf life yogurt drinks and specifically viscosity because the viscosity is really important for the performance of the dairy system. And then we benchmarked the viscosity and then had a target average for fat and protein and sugar level and so forth. And then we had a test system and then... Fortunately, we are the biggest pectin producer in the world. So we picked a range of pectins from our portfolio and tried it. And then the candidates that seemed to work, we picked out something that would comply with organic labeling and caution and so forth. So 
So that was uh, the way we went about it. And then we simultaneously had contact with some fruit prep producer and some uh, dairy producer, which were willing to try it out. And they pretty much confirmed that the performance was okay. And then it really created this kind of ideal feedback loop between as a customers and the product development phases. That was really great. And how does it differ from other pectins that are on the market? So what makes this solution unique is that you have the ingredient, you add it to the fruit preparation, and then you could just add it directly into the white mass and then that yogurt drink will be stable. So that means the dairy producer, they don't have to do anything. They they don't have to add any other ingredients. They could just buy the yogurt fruit prep from the yogurt fruit prep producer directly in these big batches and then mix it directly into the yogurt white mass and like shear it down to the viscosity they need. And then they have a, a stable short shelf life yogurt drink without having to handle any other ingredients or stabilizer, starch or so forth. It's also really affordable. The previous solution we had for this, it had to be used in a 2% use level, also pectin, but we managed to reduce it to 1% or 50% reduction, which really is important for this segment to be successful. And what are the benefits for the manufacturers of the drinking yogurts that this pectin would be used in? First off, pectin, as you may know, is a really easily recognizable ingredient for consumers. It has a great flavor release, but also usually in this specific type of application, this short shelf life fruit yogurt drink, it's usually used in combination with starch. And starch is the opposite to pectin in terms of flavor release. It is flavor masking. So it could be ideal to have just a pectin that will really create a, the best taste possible. And when you don't have to use any other stabilizer, only using the pectin, then you, you have a few ingredients to handle. Therefore, cost saving, reduction of handling time and space and equipment capability. And uh, as I said, affordability and also helps to contribute to the company's sustainability goal in terms of less waste because you have more stable products at the shelf. And is it available globally? It is, yeah. It's available worldwide. And this product may be um, meeting different goals or, or trends and needs in the various regions. I mean, we've already uh, discussed, obviously, the uh, simplification of processes at the food prep uh, manufacturer's levels. I think it's also meeting um, the needs for replacement of various additives. Uh, In emerging countries, we see that um, uh, yogurt drink makers are uh, adding several additives, two or three, like uh, pectin and starch and gelatin sometimes, some of them being used in the food prep, some others in the white mass. So... This product will be simplifying the ingredients list, replacing various stabilizers, simplifying the process at the manufacturer. And also there's another thing we haven't mentioned, but it's also quite versatile because it provides stability not only to dairy uh, yogurt drinks, but also to non-dairy such as soy and coconut drinks. So yes, it's available globally and we believe that it's going to meet various uh, local needs, regional needs that may be different between developed and emerging countries. And is it already being used commercially? And I know, I know it's only recently been launched, but is anybody using this yet? And what are the results like? 
So yes, as you say, it's uh, it's been launched uh, only a few months ago, but the performance was uh, positively received in the market. We heard the fruit prep producers confirm the uh, the stability performance and the cost in use that's acceptable. And then a step further, uh, the yogurt drink makers are also um, excited about not having to add anything else to their white mass, but just receive the food prep from their suppliers and mix it in uh, in the white mass and they're done. And then, of course, the fact that the product supports them in, uh, in making clean label free uh, products is also driving the adoption of these products. So yes, we're pretty excited to see its rollout into the market. Now we head over to hear from Liam Fenton at StoneX with our weekly look at the global dairy markets. This week uh, saw the markets um, confirm some of its gains, particularly in butter last week, uh, while on the protein side, skim milk powder give back some of the last week's gains. So we had uh, quarter one butter back maybe slightly to around the 35.15-35.20 level on last week. Quarter two butter was up maybe around 20 euros to 36.20 level. And uh, quarter three was more or less the same level as last week, around 36.70, 36.75. Quarter four butter was trading a bit stronger on the week also, uh, just shy of 3,700 uh, level. Skimmel powder, as I say, gave up some of the gains that we'd seen last week. Uh, we had quarter one back around 20 euros to the 2,400 level. And we had quarter two back a little more substantially, back around probably 70, 80 euros to around a 23.90 level. Same for quarter three skimmel powder, which was uh, back around 60, 70 euros to the 24.25 level. And quarter four was back around 40 euros on the week to the 24.50 level. Whey remained relatively steady, still around the 8.60, 8.70 level on the week. Thank you, Liam. We will talk to you again next week. Stone X, formerly INTLFC Stone, provides risk management and margin hedging programs and services, as well as OTC hedging tool and M&A advisory services to the global dairy industry. And that's it for another show. Already two done for the next one when we will be talking probiotics, packaging and other things. And I'll try not to talk about the weather. Although when our lives these days consist of working from home, homeschooling and one trip a week to get groceries, there really doesn't seem like much else to talk about. And I've almost run out of hiking DVDs to watch. There aren't that many apparently. I did watch a few online but all it's done is made me want to get out and see some new places. Maybe I'll just have to go crazy and try a different supermarket this week. Living on the edge, as Aerosmith said. Or sang. Anyway, it's time for me to get going and start working on the news for tomorrow's newsletter, and we'll catch up with you again next week. So wherever in the world you may be, stay safe, take care, and, as always, thanks for listening.